Good morning, Darenet, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Surviving to Drive podcast. Today we are discussing the United States Grand Prix. This is your favorite source of American-based F1 conversation, presented by me, Alex, and my co-host, Tyler. Let's race into it. Howdy. Alex, I think a much more entertaining race than we were expecting. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I know me and you both kind of thought that that was going to be a boring one coming into it, potentially, uh, as CODA sometimes seems to be, but I think that was probably one of the better better race of the season there was a lot that happened during it a lot of drama a lot of overtaking um and uh, just an awesome race yeah i thought it was a really good uh show display of the new gen of cars and what they're capable of doing i think a lot more overtaking than we were expecting a lot of really close racing and uh, some impressive ability by different drivers to keep up uh, in some of those tighter twistier sections yeah and i think we saw just a lot of a lot of chaos with the safety cars and various strategies and the high deg at the track and i feel like that but a lot of good elements in. So we'll start with the uh, with the finishing order here at Austin. So we had on the podium, we had Max P1, Hamilton P2, and Charles in P3. Uh, and then we had Perez P4, Russell, Norris, Alonzo, Vettel, Magnuson, and Sonoda to round out the points. And then outside the points, we had Ocon, Albon, Zoe, Gasly, Mick, Ricardo, and Latifi. And then we had three DNFs this week, uh, very different reasons. We had signs go out on the first lap with an incident with George that ended up uh, resulting in a penalty for George. Uh, Valtteri Bottas ended up losing his back end and spinning into the gravel kind of by himself, an interesting DNF there. And then Stroll had a pretty big collision with Alonso, teammates next year. We'll get into that, but pretty scary one there and um, just glad that he was okay. Yeah, it's good to see it's okay. We'll definitely dive into that a little more. It was one of the more interesting accidents I would say we've had this year, and the Alonzo flying up in the air, and I don't really know how he even continued racing after that. But Yeah, that was impressive. Definitely was a, a wild race for him, and definitely that kind of kicked off all the chaos to start. Obviously, with we had signs at the beginning there, but that was a pretty straightforward safety car. Anyways, we'll go ahead and dive into, I guess, kind of the qualifying here to start, and I would say the, the the biggest thing for me that I noticed in qualifying was just the amount of track limit issues that we had. And we had it in the race as well. But, you know, you had people getting lap times deleted. And the big one that stands out to me was going into Q3 where Norris was technically 11th. And then Joe had his lap time deleted. And mm-hmm. Norris got into Q3 because of that. But I don't know. What, what are some of your thoughts on quality? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I think decently standard grid. Yeah. Uh, we saw a lot of the top guys running up front. Aston Martins looked really good in qualifying, uh, able to put it up there and end up both starting in the top 10. You know, we didn't have very much free practice running that, that was giving us a lot of description or insight into how qualifying would go because our FP2 session, which is usually a pretty representative session for qualifying, they ended up doing tire testing. So had a really weird P1 through 3 in, in FP2, but uh, ended up sorting itself out before qualifying. Yeah, I think it was definitely a, a pretty standard qualifying in terms of who made it through. I think, you know, a couple surprises, maybe, you know, Ocon out in Q1 is kind of a surprise. Yeah. Um, and then I think Bottas making it into Q3 on merit without, you know, without the penalties and stuff was definitely a little shocking. I know Alpha's kind of, I don't even know the last time he scored points, but they've been kind of off it in terms of, of pace and getting into Q3 for a while now. So it's good to see him back in Q3. And then, like you said, just Aston Martins looked great uh, all weekend and, I think too we had I think it was it felt like it was a little tighter at the top during qualifying and this time. Yeah. You know, you had your standard standard Red Bulls and Ferraris at the top, but I think the gap between them and the Mercs was seemed to be a little smaller and it, it, it felt all weekend a little closer, mm-hmm. which I think was good to see. Yeah, definitely. And then 
you know, Alpine had a, a pretty off uh, week, obviously, yeah. said Ocon, but Alonso was down there too, and kind of a very technical track, so I guess not one that you would expect them to, to overly perform with their uh, pretty high top speed, but unfortunate for them for qualifying, they were able to make up some places in, in the race, but uh, let's go ahead and jump into the race. So we started off with a uh, pretty good order. We had uh, Leclerc dropping back, Perez dropping back because of uh, penalties and a couple other people uh, having penalties, so starting a little bit further down than than they should yeah. have been. But right off the start, Max got away really well uh, at P2 and ended up getting uh, signs into the first corner. And then, obviously, uh, like we mentioned, signs gets kind of punted by George uh, as they were both coming out. George yeah. was kind of fighting with Hamilton, and I think Sainz was trying to do a switch back on, on Max to try and regain that first position, but ended up getting hit, spinning, uh, made it back to the pits, and had to retire. Yeah, I think, to me, obviously, I know you know George is kind of the one more at fault there, but definitely it if it kind of treaded the line between that and racing incident because of just the way it went down where – you know, and I George talked about it after the race where he's just taken the apex there and mm-hmm. signs on the outside of Max, and I think he said he thought uh, signs was going to try to carry it around the outside, but then he just like dipped back under right away, and at that point George was going to there was no way he wasn't going to run into him without going off the track himself. So definitely a little chaos there at the start. I think the thing we're talking about there is like it. I feel like signs has had a tough time starting from pole this year. Yeah, very. Um, I know he won in Silverstone in the end, but he ended up getting beat off off the line by max at that at silverstone too and just in general he seems to struggle off the line this year mm-hmm. um i mean max completely blew him out of the, it wasn't even really close like it was max by a mile into turn one and then signs kind of got alongside on the outside but um you know if maybe if that obviously doesn't happen then if he gets out in front but definitely tough for signs i think he would would have been on for a good race he looked great all weekend and just an unfortunate incident and kind of wild that you know, we had, and we'll get into it later, like the Alonso incident where he was able to continue, but like science just got kind of clipped by uh, Russell and had to retire just because the coolant basically leaked out of his car. Yeah. And I think Julian Palmer mentioned this, but you know, it all kind of depends on where you get hit. I mean, yeah, Alonso went way up in the air, smacked back down on the ground and had a big collision with the wall, but uh, it was all kind of in line with the car and, and nothing yeah. was really, I mean, obviously he had a lot of floor damage and uh, some of the skirting was was knocked off, and some other you know front wing damage and stuff like that. But yeah, able to carry on with the the main yeah. you know good parts that you need to to continue racing, and uh, he was actually able to to do pretty well with that. But yeah, signs pulled in. It sounded like a water leak issue yeah. uh, that they weren't able to resolve. So yeah, unfortunate couple of races for him and uh, two in a row, one lap raced in the last two races. Yeah, not a good stat. To have. Yeah. Um, so from that though, George ended up getting a five second penalty, which I think everyone kind of expected just mm-hmm. kind of racing how it went. Uh, the most interesting thing of this though was great, awesome start from the Aston Martins. So yeah. you had Stroll who started the race because of penalties in P5. He's in P3, which seeing Lance Stroll in a podium spot at the beginning of the race was wild to see. Yeah. And Vettel had gotten up to fifth because during the incident that George had, he had to break hard, which caused Norris and everyone behind Norris to have to break hard in that line. And Vettel just kind of swooped around the outside and mm-hmm. stole a couple places from that. So a great start from both of them. I think, you know, very early on in that race before Stroll's incident, you know, they were both looking good. And, uh, you know, obviously weren't, weren't on for the win, but we're keeping pace up with the Mercs and we're kind of holding holding their own there at the beginning. Yeah, I think they were trying to just, you know, stick it in there. Obviously, when Hamilton came through uh, on Vettel a little later on in the race during the the kind of pit windows uh, Vettel just kind of let him by so not really trying to get tangled up in anything but I think they were expecting to get a little bit more points haul than they had and uh, we'll get into some of those incidents shortly but 
Uh, also in the beginning, uh, first couple laps, we had Latifi spinning. Classic. Got, got no airtime, but no. kind of, kind of like you said earlier, snuck under the radar and, oh yeah, you know, just a classic Latifi move there and not really able to do anything as he progressed throughout the race. Uh, we also had Perez having contact with an Alfa Romeo going for a pretty aggressive move. It was very aggressive. Yeah. I was surprised that they didn't look at that more for like, cause he made contact with Alfa Romeo and Alfa was, it was kind of a dive bomb basically by Perez, like into a really spot that normally you wouldn't overtake. Yeah. And he just kind of stuck it in there. And like, it kind of reminded me of like me and you like playing the F1 game and you just no damage on, you just stick it in and like use the cars, a, a bounce, like a wall basically to keep yourself from going off the track. Like that's kind of what he did. And yeah, I mean, it ended up not the, the biggest thing was that it ended up not, you know, he ended up losing the, I think the right end plate of the wing, but like it didn't really seem to affect his performance at all. Yeah, unfortunately, he did not have uh, damage turned off. And, no, and did pick up some damage on his front wing, which they decided not to change. But yeah, it was weird, and and they were talking about it in the post race show, just laughing about it. How you know he was actually almost faster after the end plate yes. came off. And, yeah, and uh, you think of all the guys and girls in the factory that worked years on on these little bits that they put on the car and the second they get knocked off they're actually performing better better, yeah uh, pretty interesting there but uh, he was able to to keep fighting and uh, had a really good race after that we had pit stops starting kind of around that time lap 11 I think was was when the first real pit stops uh, strategy pit stops started happening and kind of early uh, earlier than expected I guess and uh, kind of opened the door for maybe two or three stops. Um, yeah. And a couple of drivers, I think, ended up doing that and really came down to strategy at the end of the day. Yeah, this is the first race where I heard them, like the commentators on F1 TV, talking like four or five laps in, like already talking about a three-stop. Yeah. You know, normally, it's the debate is always between like, can you one-stop this or is it going to have to be a two-stop? Like they went straight to the three-stop. Mm-hmm. And we saw people on, you know, the mediums coming. I think Bottas came into pit like lap nine or ten already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was re- very early on, and I think a lot of teams had committed to it then. It definitely played a big role in how these, you know, because almost everybody started on the mediums and a few people started on the hards, but it's it, it played a big role because after, you know, it's a 56-lap race, I think, or 58-lap race, like you, if the mediums are only lasting 10 laps, like that's in your head, that's at least a two-stop, maybe yeah. even a three. So definitely, I think, affected the very beginning a lot because you had, uh, especially some of the people that were more at the back kind of coming in early to take that risk maybe of like oh let's try to do an extra stop see if we can make up that time and yeah i think from there then you had the leader start to come in and obviously you had uh i think the first safety car was the bodice incident where he spun off into the gravel and that was right around somewhere around lap 15 or so and at that point then everybody who hadn't come in came in yeah yeah it was right about after the the first kind of cycle uh Bottas was going through i think it was the s's and, and kind of just lost it and yeah back end slid out from behind him and he went into the gravel pit and wasn't able to get out of it. So uh, a retirement from him and uh, not in the greatest spot. So they ended up throwing the safety car out pretty quickly yeah. and uh, bunching up the cars again. I think the biggest winner out of that was, was Charles Leclerc. He had oh, not yeah. pitted yet and uh, ended up getting a big benefit from that. Obviously like in all motor races, they say flags cause flags or whatever the saying yeah. is. Incidents cause more incidents. And shortly after the race restart, we had a bigger much bigger incident oh yeah like the next lap right or yeah. on the on that on that lap on, on that, that first restart lap out of it yeah yeah they were coming down the back back long straight and alonzo had a lot more pace than lance stroll and was looking to catch him it was about halfway through the straight and 
Alonzo started to pull out to the side, and Stroll reacted to that, pulling kind of in front of him to the left, uh, trying to get to- towards the inside of the next corner coming up. And Alonzo went over Stroll's back left tire. Yeah. Sent Alonzo's car pitched up, kind of doing a wheelie down down the straight, and like something it was like wild. 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, came slamming down, not, made pretty big contact with the barriers. Yeah. I was kind, kind of surprised that he made it out of that. And then just continued on. Yeah, that was the wildest thing to me because I, you know, when it happened, you see him go airborne, and like anytime that happens, obviously very bad. But yep. it, like he basically just holds it on two wheels, or the car stays on two wheels, doesn't actually flip. Yeah, and then just smacks down pretty hard. He hits the wall perfectly in a way where it doesn't mess with the suspension or anything, and then just keeps driving. And I remember, you know, looking at that like, oh, he's. I even texted you. I was like, oh, he's done. Like, yeah. there's no way. And then you know, he just trundles back into the pit lane, puts a new wing on, puts new tires on, and continues on with his day. Like, yeah, like nothing happened. So definitely a. I, I guess it was, you know, we talk, talked a lot about, and he's definitely been unlucky this season, uh, definitely a tough incident. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he is extremely lucky to be able to continue even racing this. Yeah. Like when we talked about, you looked at like the signed incident, the first lap that he was done with, or like you have bodice, you just get stuck in the gravel. Yeah. You know, Alonzo literally went airborne. Yeah. And he was still racing in this race. So I definitely think it, you know, they were talking about it after the race, and I know Stroll came out and said he left him enough room, but he, you know, he clearly looked in his mirror and turned to the left. Yeah. as he was coming i think it's one of those ones though where it's like it's it's always tough to like see something like that because you have alonzo where he he kind of also hesitated to make the move and then you know like yes he should have the right to make that move but then also you could make the argument too like why is he just driving right into the back of stroll like i i, I feel like it's a, a mixed thing obviously it's stroll's fault and he needs to like that the rules are the rules and like you can't defend like that like go into the path as somebody's already making their move but it's one of those incidents that, like, I feel like could have been avoided potentially from both parties. If, you know, they talked about, like, I know Julian Palmer talked about, like, Stroll should have just made the move sooner. Like, he should have just committed to the defensive move sooner. Yeah. And then he also made the point for Alonzo side. It's like, Alonzo should have committed on the first wave that he had for it and not hesitated. Yeah, I think it was pretty clear, to be honest. I thought, you know, Stroll could have just let that go by. There was no or, yeah, or in that, him yeah. defending or, or at least, you know, why was it in the middle of this back straight that yeah. you're making that move? It was just a very odd place yeah. to, to be trying to defend, which was clearly reactionary. And Alonzo just had the pace. I think, yeah. you know, there was the hesitation, but there should not be a car on no, that inside line if I there agree. wasn't one when yeah. he started to make the move. And, and so I think that was pretty yeah. pretty heavily it was weird to see it too. Stroller. Like It was weird to see it too, like, like on the restart, like no DRS or anything. Like I feel like all... Besides that incident, every other safety car restart, everyone just stayed in position because, like, mm-hmm. there was no DRS and just the way the track was, like, no one could get by. And I feel like that first lap, like, nothing really happened on each of the safety car restarts except for that one. Yeah. And that was the only incident, really. And like you said, Stroll could have just – Stroll could have let Alonzo get alongside him. With no DRS, they probably go pretty much side by side, and then he could have tried to move into the turn or something back on Alonzo. Like, yeah, and with the pace that the Aston was yeah. showing, I think, you know, would have had a much better – Obviously a much better yeah. race end, but a much better opportunity to, to get yeah. that place back. Uh, overall, though, that incident left a ton of debris all over the I track. I'm surprised they didn't red flag it. Yeah. So, you know, Alonzo went up and over the tire, kind of flew in towards the barriers, uh, ended up puncturing Stroll's back left, yeah. which sent him kind of spinning. He ended up hitting the wall and then coming back onto the track. And 
throughout. Nobody hit him somehow either, which was wild. Yeah. There was like four cars behind him, and they all managed to avoid him somehow. Yeah, there was a big smoke screen that yeah. went up, but just debris everywhere. I think Norris, uh, uh, probably lost. Joe, because yeah. Joe ended up. Yeah, hitting. Norris lost the. Uh, like the wheel, the arrow wheel cover yeah. on top that some piece of debris hit it and just smoked it off his car. Yeah. So a couple drivers ended up with debris. Uh, obviously they threw the safety car out and, and tried to clean up as much as they could. Uh, we saw Joe Pitt. Uh, he's, yeah. he was actually doing pretty good in the race so far, having some good battles. And then, uh, that kind of threw him towards the back of the, the field. Uh, after that though, we, we had a pretty clean race to continue. Uh, we had, Gasly getting a penalty for that safety car uh, infringement after yeah, falling back. That was uh, tough. More than 12. So, yeah, unfortunate for him. And then, you know, when he ended up trying to, to serve it. They didn't serve it right. Yeah, yeah. so he ended up getting It really ruined penalty. his race because he was – I mean, both Alvatore's at that point before the incident were 7th and 8th at yeah. the time. And, you know, Gasly had been looking good. He looked pretty pacey in it. Obviously, the penalty, I think, if he wouldn't have messed it up, he would have been fine. But he basically had to serve it twice and mm-hmm. then – it just completely derailed his entire race. Yeah, and then he also ended up getting a penalty for uh, track violations, yeah. I believe. So, yeah, not a great race from him. Uh, he, the stewards were just all over him during the race. Oh yeah, they. It was it was anti gasly day on the track today. Like it was. Yeah. I feel like every time you looked up, there was a either he was a penalty or it was like a noted incident or an investigation mm-hmm. for car number ten. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty tough for him. Uh, we continued on pretty clean, though, and uh, we ended up having Max leading. And then we got to the next uh, pit window, and Max came in and had a really poor pit stop, uh, over 11 seconds. Yeah, that was – I. Th- it's that's the worst Red Bull pit stop I think I've, I can ever remember. It was very unlike them. Uh, it's very weird because, like, I know they had – I think uh, Julian came on after and, you know, read a stat that, like, on the max had the average quickest pit time of any driver this year mm-hmm. and it was 11 seconds i think they had something wrong with like the left wheel like getting it on with the wheel gun it was it was kind of similar to bodice and monaco and they were talking about that last year where like they just they couldn't get the one wheel off and then when they got the left front finally on they couldn't get the new one on the pit gun yeah had, had kind of stalled or jammed yeah. or whatever and they ended up having to use the backup and yeah uh, yeah, obviously a, a real tough one for them, and, and he ended up falling behind Leclerc, who was pitting at the same time. Yeah, Leclerc snuck in, pit, and then I think that was the most surprising. I think once we saw it was a little slow, because at that point Hamilton was only a few seconds behind, then mm-hmm. all right, Hamilton's going to get past him for sure, but then Leclerc seeing him pass him too, that definitely, at that point, I was, yeah, that completely opened a race, because yeah. you had Hamilton, like I think, five seconds ahead of Leclerc, and then you had Leclerc basically fighting with Verstappen for several laps. Yeah with whatever was left 16 20 laps to go mm-hmm. and so i think i know i don't know about you but i definitely thought and i think the general public thought, like oh this could be this could be the chance for hamilton to win like if leclerc and verstappen can fight enough and they're on the medium tires and hamilton's on the hard like they you know maybe the tire runs out like it, it'll be close like this could be his chance to win yeah but you know max pretty quickly at that point dispatched of leclerc and then yeah, we saw yeah. we saw a really good move from Leclerc uh, in defense yeah. to, to come back and pass Max again to hold him off for another lap. But I don't think it was, you know, it obviously wasn't a, a Perez and Hamilton like Abu Dhabi last year where they yeah. were slowing down and letting Hamilton get by. They were both going at a at a pretty good pace and yeah. uh, ended up keeping about a four and a half second gap to Hamilton. Yeah. So I think once Max got by, it was pretty, you know, four seconds. He had something like 16 laps to, to catch up and pass Hamilton. And yeah. uh, with Hamilton on the hards, it was looking like it would be pretty clean. And then one of, one of the kind of weird points of the race was Vettel was out there 
uh, and Hamilton ended up having to pass him. Yeah. He ended up having to get past him, and then Vettel pitted, and Max didn't Did have, have to, to pass do. him. Yeah. yeah, which I think I, – I remember I – I think I texted my brother. I was like – because, like, I was like, at this point, I'm like, oh, this would be awesome to see, like, Lewis get his first win. Yeah. Like, it will be interesting to, like, how hard does Vettel fight? Like, or I guess where does Max catch Vettel, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, Lewis caught Vettel, like, on the – like, the – the start straight and like could just make pass like if he catches him like the s or something like it could cost him a little time then but Vettel just came in and pit at the end of the lap so at that point i think as soon as he pit and max was in clear air like i was like this is there's no way that he's not going to get past lewis yeah max had some varying lap times during that yeah period he did have a couple that were slower yeah so you know there was a little bit of hope hanging there and then unfortunately ended up getting there pretty quickly i think there was about five or six laps left when he ended up getting there and and passed hamilton pretty pretty easily yeah so unfortunate for hamilton not get his first win but obviously second place is uh but nothing close. to be mad about i mean very like yeah obviously at the end there he had where he kind of you know and he got past and they both had the three warnings they both kind of just eased in and i think hamilton knew he wasn't gonna get packed past him so he kind of eased off so i think the ending timing is not super representative of like the pace gap but yeah very close race obviously you know Hamilton benefited from the long stop from Max but I think they talked about it after the race you know Hamilton driving the way he did in the lead and like most of the race when he was behind Max in P2 he kept it from one to two seconds in there mm-hmm. um, so I think it's a, definitely a positive for them in Mercedes going forward and yeah going into next season more so but I guess going back to you know when when that all kind of went down we had Vettel pit and at this point Vettel was in oh he's in the lead of the race actually obviously mm-hmm. and then ends up hitting and I think he was you know projected to come out somewhere in the middle of the top 10 from that pit mm-hmm. would have been behind probably Russell uh maybe even Alonzo but somewhere around there uh but he ends up having a nearly 17 second pit stop which was unbelievable and just drops completely out of the points down the order yeah it was a really weird pit stop they I think there was something wrong with the front jack it looked like and then they yeah. couldn't get the left front off and it was just all kinds of a mess it was kind of just hard to watch because you were following him throughout the race. Yeah. Seeing that he was doing really well, started really well, obviously looking for some really good points, especially with that battle that they have going on uh, down at the kind of lower tier of the, the championship standings. But he was looking to get some really good points and he has this and, and it just kind of crumbles before your eyes. It's really unfortunate. It was so long too. Like I don't, it's only 17 seconds, which is not that long, like just mm-hmm. in general in life. But like when you're sitting there watching the screen, like, at one point, I remember thinking, like, oh, are they just, like, are they just calling it with him? Like, are they, yeah. is there a DNFing now? Because he just kept sitting there, and everyone got past, and just, it was just, yeah, like you said, like, you just saw everything that he had worked for, and, like, been such a positive race for Aston Martin, like, you had the stroll crash, and then now this, and it looked like they had lost everything at that point. Then. Yeah, and he had had some really good overtakes throughout the yeah. race, and, and was looking really good, but, uh, you know, he was able to, to get back into the points, and in eighth place is some decent points, but... Uh, nothing compared to what he would have had if if that wasn't the case yeah so that was kind of the last major incident then we had you know we had max and lewis obviously kind of fighting back and forth and then you know them getting on the radio and basically yelling at each other about track limits that i was i was kind of confused because i mean obviously there was a track limit stuff and they were you know on the radio trying to bring it up to the fia but when max finally got past hamilton hamilton was sticking with him pretty well and yeah. he had been sticking with him kind of all race like yeah. he, like you mentioned earlier within a couple seconds he was able to to kind of match that pace i was really surprised that he didn't stay right on the tail or at least try to stay right on the yeah. tail 
uh, and just force Max into something because it kind of see like he ended up dropping yeah. back another three four seconds yeah. and, and only finished a couple seconds ahead of Leclerc behind him. So it seemed like Hamilton didn't want to bring that fight to Verstappen yeah. because he was kind of you know he he probably worried about that, his own like exactly yeah, yeah he had his own three warnings but yeah I get what you're saying like in Hamilton's position like what's he got to lose like. I don't know. At this point in the season, like for him, what's the difference between P2 and P3 if he gets a five-second penalty himself? Like, mm-hmm. why not try to take it to Max and, like you said, force Max into going off the track? Yeah. And then, you know, obviously it would be a little schemey, but, like, doing that and, like, getting a win out of it, like, a win is a win. So Yeah. And four seconds behind, you can't, you know, you can't see when yeah. Max goes off and call it out yeah. on your radio. It was funny, though, watching them, like, watching Lewis continue to go on, like, he's off there. And then they're talking about F1 TV, like, Obviously, they're watching these two like very yeah. closely right now because they're both on three warnings. But yeah. definitely was funny. Um, besides them, though, you know, kind of the kind of those last few laps, uh, we saw Alonso, to, you know, make his way up to P six at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and Vettel kind of get back up into the points. And you know, Vettel ended the race with a, an awesome overtake on Magnussen going into the kind of the last turn there, yeah, which was awesome to see. But I think for me, the you know Alonso storming back through the field was very impressive with what he had been through. Definitely. And then uh, you could make the argument that Lando Norris, like, he looked insane at the end of the race. Yep. Every t- every lap you looked up, he got by somebody in turn one. Yep. I think, like, in that last stint where, you know, everyone was focusing on Lewis and Max, obviously, because that was for the race win. You know, Lando was in, I think, P11, and he just passed his way up from P11 to P6 and got past Alonzo on the second to last lap. And he kept doing it in turn one, the same move. And, I, I don't know where the pace came from because they looked very slow at the beginning of the race, but he was, like, besides those tackable teams, he was faster than everybody in the last stint. Yeah, he really turned it on with those with those new tires and was able to kind of capitalize on the opportunity in front of him and how yeah. close of a race it was in front of him. And, yeah, able to hold off Alonzo at the end, too. I know Alonzo was coming up pretty quickly, and yeah. they were battling a little bit. But uh, really good race from him, and he's one of your top three drivers. Why don't we go ahead and jump yeah, into that? Yeah, go ahead and jump into that. So I had one of my drivers was, was Lando. Obviously, again, a little biased because yeah, everyone knows he's my favorite. But Big McLaren guy. Yeah, big McLaren guys. You always text me. Um, it's I, I don't. It's not like you, normally I think we throw him in there because he usually is pretty consistent with, and he did it again this week of like P6, P7, or best of the rest. And he's, again, this week, you know, he had science crash crash out. And so you had best, what was the highest position you could have gotten is six and he got it. But I think he, you know, he just raced really well this race. Like he kind of, you know, was, the pace was a little off in the beginning there, but he battled his way through, like they had good pit strategies. He had, you know, everything worked out well and he got past everyone he needed to get past. And I, again, you know, we talk about this every week with him, but like he's in this case, like he's the one that capitalized off of, he made up another place because science didn't finish the race. Like who's like, we always say, like, who's going to be there to make up those points. Mm-hmm. It seems to be of late him and Alonzo. Yeah. And usually it seems like Norris gets the best of that. And you know, it, it we'll get into the standings a little later, but it's, you know, now at this point, he's 31 points of head of Ocon for best of the rest with three races left. That kind of locks it up pretty much unless something crazy happens or like Ocon wins a race at the end of the season. But yeah, it's, I think it's just another consistent performance from another consistent weekend. Yeah, and I think it'll be hard for for Ocon to really close that gap. He, yeah. he wasn't really anywhere in today's race. No. It was kind of no man's land for him. But uh, yeah, Norris had a great race. Some really awesome overtakes to watch, and yeah. uh, just kind of stormed up the field, especially in comparison to his teammate who started down in 16th. You know, ended, yeah. ended the race in 16th at a couple points. He was yeah. running below Latifi, which was really yeah. unfortunate. And 
uh, with Norris having that pace, it was, it was not a good look for yeah. for Daniel it was, Ricciardo. It was tough for Ricciardo because it's, it's another one of those races where, yeah, where they're in the same car. Nothing – you can't point to something where, like, Ricciardo got unlucky this race. Like, it, it just – like, he just made no positions up, whereas Norris I, – I know they both started and ended in the same spot, but you saw Norris work his way through the field, whereas Ricciardo was just at the back the entire time. Yeah. My other two drivers, uh, my second one, I have Vettel. Uh, I think – you know, just a great weekend from him all around. You know, they looked pretty decent in qualifying. He starts the race in P10, has a great start to the race, gets up to fifth. He leads a couple of laps of the race um, and then, you know, has that disastrous pit stop and somehow makes up enough places and then has that probably the best overtake of the weekend on Magnuson at the end there yeah. to get P8. And that's more big points for Aston Martin because now they're three behind Alfa Romeo for, for P6 in the constructors. So they've really fought their way back and, you know, it feels like Vettel's led that charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other driver I have is K-Mag. You know, Haas has been horribly bad since the beginning of the season. Um, and you have K-Mag make the one-stop work at Coda, which was unbelievable. Yeah. He was the only one to make the legitimate one-stop work. You know, you had some, you had some I think, that were going to try it, that ultimately with the safety cars and stuff, like they ended up getting another stop. But Magnussen was a legit one-stop he did, mm-hmm. where he started on the hards, and then he did like 40 laps on the mediums to end the race and somehow held P9. Yeah. Um, so an awesome weekend for Haas. Like, as I I don't think you anyone thought they were coming to get points. Uh, and you had Magnussen finish with two points today. So, like, and, you know, he talked about it at the race. Important for them, too, because they're fighting for P8 with AlphaTauri, mm-hmm. and now they're one point ahead. So, and again, like, there are two teams where – with three aces left, like that one point might be too literally too, which is funny to say, like that might be too much to overcome. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty intense battle between those two, and uh, really good for for Magnuson to get back into the points and yeah, you know, worked his way through that field really well, and obviously, you know, the one stop strategy helped a lot, but he was still able to to race at they the end. Racy. Yeah. They looked racy. The whole race, like I know Schumacher ended up finishing in fifteenth, but. Both the Haases today, like, I feel like they got, and maybe they just showed them more because it was the U.S. Grand Prix, I don't know, but, like, I feel like they were, they were making a lot more moves, and, like, we saw a lot more screen time of them, and, like, they were in the action more than in the past few races where, you know, you have them and Williams basically just fall to the back of the pack, and you don't hear from them again. Yeah, definitely. We also saw, you know, Latifi running into Mick, which probably didn't help his race. I don't know if there was any Yeah, that was any a tough one from, from Latifi where he just completely drove him off the road yeah we'll get into latifi later yeah for sure (laughs) but uh yeah mick did a decent job yeah uh unfortunately not able to work his way up but uh yeah magnuson able to continue to race Uh, i thought that last overtake on from vettel on magnuson was pretty impressive that yeah magnuson was even able to to try and fight that with as old of tires as as he was on in a much worse car i think that that too but yeah the tires were the biggest thing i mean the mediums he ran those until they were as thin as paper probably like even seeing like after the race and obviously different points in the race and how they're pushing it but like i know they showed max tires like when he got to the end and like they were completely shredded like they were hit max's tires looked horrible and his were 16 laps old 18 laps old like i can't even imagine what madison's looked like after the race yeah very impressive from him jump into my three i had uh hamilton Lewis Hamilton just had a great race. I mean, his ability to stick with uh, Max Verstappen was was pretty impressive. Kind of the whole race. He was never really backing down from that and, you know, keeping it going until the last lap. Yeah, I think overall definitely one of his better weekends. I think probably one of his best weekends of the year so far in terms of, you know, had a good quality. He gets a good jump off the line. And then, like, like we talked about, the biggest thing was that, you know, even though he didn't win the race, he looked 
like he was able to stick with Max much better than they have been all season. You know, in the past, I would have expected Max to pull 7, 10, 15 seconds to him. Mm-hmm. But he kind of stayed in that 1 to 2 range for most of the most of the race and then, you know, had a real shot there at the end to win and you know, may obviously it, I think Max ended up getting past him with like four laps to go or something like that, but you know, had Vettel maybe stayed out an extra lap or and Leclerc maybe able to stick with Max if, you know, a little more battles happened and a few more things went his way, it could have been a last lap battle between the two of them. But yeah. I think yeah, just his pace all weekend and in the race and they were talking about it, you know, Will Buxton was talking about it after the race and he's like, I feel like we seeing kind of Hamilton get back to who he was last year where mm-hmm. we kind of had like a shaky start to the year and they were trying all kind of different things with the car and doing different things and he's it looked like kind of him and Russell were on the same leg but now he's Hamilton's kind of gotten back to his old form of like clearly separating himself as like the lead of that team and like yeah being, and all day he looked you know when Russell's in p3 I know you were talking to me about it during the race like he was way off of Hamilton's pace. He was not anywhere near Hamilton's pace. Yeah, it was kind of weird to see Russell drop back, but, you know, obviously that's because Hamilton was just brilliant today. Yeah. And, and we even saw that between, you know, Max and Charles when they were fighting. It was just, it was pretty easy for Max to get out. And yeah. And both Mercedes and the Ferraris had, you know, a 20 kph difference on on top speed. oh they were both of them were so slow on the straights compared to the red bull yeah so it, it was just really impressive that hamilton was able to keep that or gain a little bit throughout some of the the more technical sections and uh yeah just a really good race and he's had an incredible second half of the season yeah uh you mentioned that you know he was working but we or you know testing out new things but we yeah. saw george come out and be mr consistency and now that Hamilton's, you know, starting to gel with the car and starting to to be free to to actually take the best strategies and and the best setups, he's been outperforming Russell on a on a consistent basis. So, uh, really good weekend from him. One of my top three drivers. Uh, my next one was Alonso. Incredible that he was able to continue racing. Oh yeah. And then you know we saw him come into the pits and they had panned over to his car and we saw the amount of damage that was on that car. And looking at it, it was like, there's no way that he makes it back yeah. out. Not only did he make it back out onto the track to continue the race, lose a mirror. He drops to last. He dropped a base. I think he dropped to 17th or 16th in yeah. the order but, at yeah. that point after he pit. Mm-hmm. Just able to come back and, and fight his way through, have some really impressive overtakes against yeah. some cars that were you know pretty fast. He got up all the way to seventh fighting with some of the, the faster cars in the group and, Overall, just a, a really impressive weekend and drive from him, uh, especially after that big accident. Uh, and then my last one was Charles Leclerc. He uh, had a pretty good race, I think, able to fight his way back up after taking a, a grid drop at the beginning uh, after yeah. qualifying. You know, just consistent. He he won out because of the safety car, but he was able to kind of hook it all up and uh, end up in third, uh, keep up, you know, get a pretty good points haul when Ferrari were uh, down one driver. So. Uh, I think a pretty good race from him. He had some pretty great overtakes yeah. uh, when he was fighting with Max. That was really fun to watch and uh, definitely one of my top three drivers this week. Yeah, I mean, he charged all the way back through. It's kind of more what we'd expect of him and expect. I know they put the graphic up. This this is the first weekend, according to whatever AWS analysis they do, that like Red Bull actually technically had the faster car, mm-hmm. according to like the things. But it's this was good to see because I think this was – this is what we all expected it all year to be if like it, but obviously he had the penalties. So he started in the back, but we saw more of a, a push from Ferrari today and more of a battle from Leclerc, And he was able to fight his way up into the, into the podium. And like, I think that that was 
like what we all wanted to see this year. And like, I think they obviously we've talked about this with, you know, during our mid-year recap of like, you know, what if Ferrari had Mercedes strategists? Like what, like this should have been a closer battle. And I was texting my brother about this, like this, I still think Max would have won and Red Bull would have won, but like we could have had a much better battle this whole season had Ferrari not screwed this up. Cause like they did have the car for it. And like Leclerc is at that level, I think. And I think we saw that again today and it was, it was just good to see, I think for going into next year that like they, they got a strategy right today. Like they did everything their way they should have done. And like the only reason he wasn't maybe even higher is because he had to start 12th or whatever on the grid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We haven't seen as many mistakes from Ferrari. And I think that obviously helps uh, Charles in kind of the standings, just, just kind of the view of Charles as a driver. Yeah. uh, Definitely helps him. One has to be at is, Benotto on the hot seat then because he remember what we talked about last week how he said he's not going to come to any one of the races yeah and they started doing well although I think he might have been there because I did see and we can maybe talk we can just touch on it now like I did see a hilarious picture of him at the San Antonio Spurs game like for basketball and he was just on the sideline and like he just you could very like he just did not look like he fit in at all there like it was like a bunch of celebrities and then like Benotto was like on the court too and like it was just a hilarious visual yeah but then yeah just to think about today like I just thought of that like today like oh like they haven't had a lot of mistakes to a while, but like Benotto said, he's not going to any races. So like, is it him? Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's still very involved. I know. Virtually, yeah. It's just, it's just, it is interesting. It is funny too. Yeah. yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into some team highlights, some overtake highlights. Uh, I think a pretty easy one here. Red Bull was, was our team highlight of the weekend. Oh, yeah. um, just pretty dominant from, from Max, uh, yeah. all race, able to get past uh, Carlos at the very beginning. And then, yeah. uh, you know, obviously an unfortunate error in the, uh, pit stop but max was able to to capitalize on the car under him and, and yeah. get back into first place yeah i think and you know we kind of read we could say that for them every single weekend mm-hmm. um you know they're still on pace i think for just looking at it in, in quickly like max and red Bull are both on pace to break the record for points this year mm-hmm. he's probably gonna break the record for wins he's tied right now so he just needs one in the last three races and there's n- i there's just no chance he's gonna go winless in the last three races yeah i couldn't see um that. so i think they'll break all those records which you know major props to them like they built a dominant car they built you know max is on a different level this year than everybody else like mm-hmm. has looked great but yeah i agree they're they continue each week to be the gold standard mm-hmm. um I think this week too. I think you could if I, it's clearly Red Bull. I don't think you'd really give it to anyone else. I think you could maybe give honorable mention to Mercedes because you had Lewis fighting out there, yep. and had George not had that penalty, maybe he's battling with Perez and Charles for the re- that last podium spot. But um, I, you know, it was it was Red Bull's weekend, at, and as soon as we got in the race and Max got ahead into turn one, it was Max's race to lose. Yeah, definitely. And they also ended up wrapping up the constructors' championship yeah. this weekend. So pretty dominant season from them and like you said on on track to break quite a few records moving to overtake highlights you know we mentioned pretty much all of these already but charles on max in turn one when they were fighting uh for second place there uh before the the charge back up to hamilton was really fun to watch yeah. and then that that kind of switch back on, on turn one was was really impressive vettel on k mag was uh something you mentioned and uh, really good to see those two racing uh norris turn one was just all over it. I mean, yeah, he'd complete time. That they need to rename it to to land to the Lando to like turn one to Norris. Like that was, yeah. I think he had six or seven overtakes in turn one. There's quite a few. Um, I think in general, though, I'd say those are the highlights. Um, I think 
it was, you know, my other two points would be, I think in general, there was a lot more overtakes than we thought there were going to be. And it, like you said, the track just raced very well this year. Like I think everyone last year just kind of slotted in and you really just had a battle between Max and Lewis, which is kind of every race last year. But and it was like um, a slow, it was a slow battle. Yeah, it was a slow battle, that... like intense. Yeah, like I feel like we had a lot of action this year. Yeah, definitely. In general. And then also just a uh, little nostalgia. It was it was nice to see the Max and Lewis battling it out for a win again. Yeah. I know last year people, like, it, it got pretty meme and jokey, like, ah, oh, it's just these two. Like, yeah. But it was good to see, and I, I think it was, uh, I know, like, my brother texted me during, he's like, I missed last year because, like, we had a battle all the way to the end, and, mm-hmm. like, every race had so much pressure. But it was fun to see, even though we knew what the outcome of it was going to be and, like, how it how it ended was kind of expected, it was still good to see that they had a little action between the two of them for the win and uh, just it makes you hopeful, I guess, for going into next year that, like, you know, obviously I think Ferrari's going to have the car again to, to keep pace with them, and but then, like, you hope that Mercedes can do the same and we can have, you know, maybe five six drivers duking it out every weekend for who could be the winner yeah i think the odds that mercedes kind of fumbles the the car you know doesn't doesn't produce a car that's capable of winning yeah two years in a row i just don't see it happening can't see that happening i could see them i know they've talked about it and we'll obviously get more into this in the off season and stuff i know they've talked about how they'll probably still at the beginning maybe be on the back foot a little bit because Mm -hmm. you know there is that gap but I just don't see them messing it up again like they did this year. Yeah, definitely not. So we'll see. I think more than anything, though, it was really nice to see somebody challenging Max yes. for that win. Like, we, we've had so many races where Max is winning by, you know, 10-plus seconds. Yeah, 10, and, 15 and it's seconds. Just, it's, it was legitimate. It was, this was the first one I feel like we've had in a while where, like, you legitimately didn't know. Like, yeah. I think the the favorite would have been, and I, I even when Max had the light pissed off, I, in my head, I'm like, it's still going to probably be him. But mm-hmm. – we made it to the last three laps, whatever, before that was really decided. And mm-hmm. even then, we had you know the a little bit of drama with the you know track limits issues. Like, oh well, if Max goes off and gets a five second penalty, like Lewis could win. Very reminiscent of last yes. year. Yes, which yeah, definitely. But it, it was, it like you said, it was just good to see someone challenge him and like have a full race of excitement. Whereas I feel like a lot of the past couple races, like you're just watching the, the battle for second or the battle in the midfield, and like it's just Max running away with it. So yeah, that was definitely good to see. Let's go ahead and jump into our Massey performances of the week. Yes, so uh, a returning winner this week. Uh, we'll start with the driver, you guys' favorite driver, me and your favorite driver, Nicholas Latifi. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention here first to Stroll for the move he had with Alonzo, which was, again, like we talked about, just not necessary and just kind of dumb. And, like, I think from his – the only reason he didn't get it is because he did perform well up to that point, mm-hmm. and – he had a good qualifying, and in the race itself, had he not had that, he probably would have finished in the points yeah. as well. And the Aston Martins looks pretty good, so that's why we're not going to give it to him. But it was a very dumb move on his part. Very. Uh, it's going to go to Nicholas Latifi this week. So we had not only did he qualify P twenty and start P twenty somehow with all the penalties. I don't, I don't really know. I guess it was just because the penalties weren't full grid penalties. But it's just funny to think about all these drivers having penalties in front of him, and he still starts P twenty. Yeah. Um, and then I think along with that in the qualifying piece of it, you have him P20 and his teammate in the same car starting on the grid 12 spots ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the race, you have the early spin from him where he just spins himself and drops to the back. And then you have him running Magnuson off the road or Schumacher off the road for no reason in a 
terrible overtake attempt. So it's kind of just a classic Latifi race where yeah. the only airtime he got was because he was driving poorly. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Bad it really wasn't any. I don't even think I don't remember even seeing the spin. I remember them just no. mentioning. Like, I saw a replay of oh, it. Looks briefly. like yeah, it looks like Latifi spun off, and I was like, oh, there you go. Like that's classic. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he's the winner for the driver for the Master Performance of the Week. Uh, he is. It's going to be hard for anyone in the future to dethrone him. As you know, he's going to go down as the Master Performer of the Week goat. He's. I mean, going to go down as the goat in this category. I think. I don't know who's going to. You know, Mazepin's lucky that we waited to start this until. Yes, Mazepin. Well, Mazepin would have been a great, a great. But if we would have done this podcast last year, it would have been a really. We would have had to put the numbers side by side because it would have been a good battle. And, and Massey would have shown up quite a few times as well. Yes, Massey himself would have shown up for the match performance of the week. Um, in terms of the team, this one was a little tough this week because there wasn't anything glaring. Uh, but we're going to go with Alfa Romeo. Uh, reason being, you know, you had Bottas spin out kind of on his own, mm-hmm. um, and then Zoe. At some points, it looked like he was in the cusp of points, but, like, there was nothing. They didn't really show him a lot. He didn't really have anything that popped out. Uh, it was just kind of a, a boring, lonely race for him, and he just kind of finished out of the points. Like, there was never really a threat there, and I think it was just a tough weekend for them overall, and you still have Bottas, which, you know, we always go through before this podcast and up to the points, and every week seeing Bottas 10th with 46 points, it's starting to become a meme at this point because – I don't, what has it been? I, I forget. It's like Canada or something's the last time you scored points. It's something ridiculous. Quite, quite a few It's races. been a long time since, uh, you know, since Alfa Romeo has scored any points. They're probably going to get passed by Aston Martin for P6 when I think at the beginning of the season when you had, you know, Bottas, I think he was, what, P5 in that first race? P6? Yeah, best of the race. And you had Joe in the points, too, in this first race. And I think I – both of us thought, like, oh, they could be kind of the best of the rest. Like, they could be fighting for that with, I don't know who would, at the beginning, but, like, we, it was, you know, the top three teams and then them, and they have just done nothing since the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, so, another rough weekend from them. You know, you did have bought a start in the top ten, but just, just I don't know, he kind of fell back at the beginning. There really wasn't pace from all weekend, just not a great weekend. Yeah, I think he got kind of caught up in the, in the signs mess on uh, turn one, lap one. But uh, other than that, I mean – you know, Joe probably picked up some damage uh, after that incident in the middle of the race and had to drop back after pitting. But, yeah, not a good look for them this weekend. Not a good look from them uh, kind of this half of the season. No. Uh, and hopefully they'll be able to turn that around. I know they're still fighting for, you know, Aston Martin's creeping up on them. And, yeah. And as of late, Aston Martin's been looking good. So It's uh, just been – it's been tough. They – Yeah. I don't – there's really not much – they have – they have a great-looking car. Their car looks nice every weekend on the track, but that's about the only nice thing you can say. You know, I was looking at merch not too long ago, and, you know, Joe's slowly becoming a decently favorite driver of mine. You know, yeah. one of the one of the top few. And Yeah. Uh, I was looking at some of the merch, and their merch is beautiful, too. Yes. I mean, I, yeah, Joe's kind of getting into that, too, and he's kind of a fashion guy, so I think he will get into that, too. Bottas makes sneaky good merch as well. He's got the bucket hat that has the Formula 1 car and the beer on it. Uh, he had a shirt this weekend that I don't think's dropped yet that he, like, hinted like kind of teased a little bit that had like his name on the back and it had like it was like for the u.s grand prix mm-hmm. that looked pretty sweet he makes good stuff too like their posters with his cheeks posters out. with his with his yeah, his cheeks out um big backside guy but um it's, <laughs> i think overall like their their colors everything their their vibes of the team like the team itself are cool but like they are just not that good yeah no maybe they just need uh, a new uh accountant uh 
Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they do. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So let's kind of go into, um, I think what we talked about, you know, real quickly track thoughts. It, it was an awesome race. Um, I completely exceeded my expectations. I had such a different image of Coda going into this and I left with such a different image than I came in with. Like yeah. the track raced really well. Like it just, it just felt like a true F1. Like it just felt like a good race. I don't know. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, uh, as we mentioned at the very end of the last podcast, I've I've been down to Austin to see the track. Uh, obviously, not on race weekend, unfortunately, but yeah, uh, it is. I mean, it, it looks great. There's a lot of undulations throughout the track. Uh, turn one is a massive, hill, incredible sight. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible sight. But the the racing there has never been top notch, and I think like we started the podcast off with these new gen of cars. Yeah, uh, it just works and. Uh, it was really oh, good to see awesome. it work and uh, a really good race. So I'm excited to see it. I think it's wrapped up for another 10 years on the calendar. And uh, I mean, we'll have to make it out at some point. Absolutely. To an actual race. I know, you know, for those of you who don't know, Tyler is a P1 holder at the at the karting track next door. I think it was 1.8 seconds you won by, but we need to go for an actual race weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go to our predictions real quick. Uh, so pre-quality. Uh, I'll start with mine pre-quality. I had Max on pole, which I can't believe this one didn't hit. That felt like the easiest bet of the weekend was Max on pole. Both Ferraris ended up uh, going fast on a month. Both Ferraris did, yeah. So that was a tough one for me. I just that was just uh, that could have been. I obviously watched practices and stuff, but that could have been that you could have had me not watch the last two months of Formula One, and I could have covered my eyes and penciled in Max for pole every yep. single race. Uh, but props to the Ferraris this weekend. They were the quicker over one lap, and by a, a decent little bit. It wasn't like a super – I think they had them by a few tenths. So it's good to see a little change there. And then I had Bottas in Q3, which I did actually get. The only, my only base of it off this is because they had, had he was second in FP2. <laughs> and here's the reasoning why. is because after FP2, and you look at the times, only him and one – I think it was Ricardo was the other one, and Leclerc, only them three actually set representative times on the tires – Everyone else, was, everyone else was on the test tires, and I just didn't put that together until after I texted my predictions. And I was like, oh, like maybe he's just having like a little like, – I know they did test tires, but I thought Some everyone fire. had gotten runs in, and I was like – I either thought everyone had gotten runs in on regular tires or everyone just did ones on test tires, not that he was just looking pacey on that tire. And I was like, wow, he's going to have a good weekend. But, hey, it, it he did – qualify he did go into q3 this weekend i think in fp3 he was running in the top 10 as well so he was yeah. he was still pacey throughout free and practices. i think part of it too he won last time he or not last time 2019 at coda he won and he's you know had good races and stuff here with mercedes so and he's familiar with the track and everything so yeah. i don't know just just felt, just to be a little different but we got, well, we got half it right it hit yeah yeah got that one right uh i went with uh signs getting pole and that one obviously happened so a uh, pretty good one there his second ever i believe uh, and then I also went with one Aston in Q3. They were looking pacey, kind of all free practice sessions, yeah. and, and I hit that one. I think I also texted you uh, the top six will be unbothered. Yes. Uh, and they all kind of shuffled in as, as the top six there. So uh, pretty good on quality. Yeah. Can't say the same for the race, but I'll jump into it there. We yeah. got uh, For a podium selection, I went with Max Signs Hamilton. Max and Hamilton, obviously, but Signs out Signs after, was the, tough, yeah. after turn one. So. Uh, didn't hit on that one. I also went with double Aston points, which went out the window pretty quickly uh, with that incident. And uh, we did have Vettel end up in the top 10, but obviously no luck with Lance Stroll after DNFing. And then my second one was Leclerc finishing top five after working his way back up. And uh, he ended up third. So pretty solid there. 
Yeah, not too bad on your actual Oscar race prediction. The podium, you know, you have Hamilton and, and Max on there. It was the exact same one that I had for last weekend. And this, almost and the same thing happened. Well, Hamilton did get second this week, but yeah, signs went out right away at the beginning and yeah. messed it up for you. Um, so I'll go into mine. So I had Max, Lewis, and George. So first two right, and I think had George had the penalty, you could have maybe fought for that third spot. So not terrible. And he was in third for a decent amount of the race. It was yeah. that order for a decent amount of the race. I'd bought in the point simply because he was starting seventh, and I just thought he. I thought, all right, Perez will get past him, Leclerc will get past him. That's ninth, maybe one more. But I, th- I thought he'd sneak in at the points. Nope, he snuck into out. the gravel. Snuck into the gravel. Uh, and my biggest one, Norris top six. I mean, lock of the century. I <laughs> let me t- let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. So I knew he was starting sixth for one yep. so that he's already in the top six and i thought to myself one at least one of the top three teams is going to have a non-finisher i don't know who didn't know who was going to be i thought at least one maybe two yeah so i thought all right if even if leclerc and if leclerc and uh perez get by i guess he would have been technically seventh but like in my head i'm like there's going to be chaos somehow going into turn one just because of the way turn one is at coda uh and that ended up coming true and then you know, he battled his way back and once again finished best of the rest. Um, uh, I didn't get, which I talked to you about earlier, I thought for sure Tyler was going to text me big McLaren guy when I texted him that prediction. Didn't get that this week, and I think that was a good omen, actually, because I feel like every time you do text me big McLaren guy, that McLaren predictions do not come true. Well, a lot of times you include Ricardo on your McLaren yeah, predictions. Yeah, and... sometimes I try to sneak Ricardo on the points, and I learned very quickly that I can't. You can't no, get away with that one. Not often. Um, so that was, that was it for our predictions, not... Good quality for you, and I think a, a, maybe my race was a little better, but it overall not not terrible. Yeah, I would say I would say an, an average weekend for us. Definitely an average weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unfortunate with signs. I think we both would have would have been a little better off with. Signs. I think we probably would have there too. Yeah, but nothing you can do. Um, just one lap completed in the last two races. Tough. Uh, just tough for tough for all the science fans out there. Yeah. Um. So I guess we'll go into standing changes real quick. So obviously I talked about we had Red Bull wrapping up the Constructors' Championship. First hybrid era championship that's not Mercedes, um, which is... I don't know if I'd even count it in like the hybrid era. Yeah, because like it's this is like the thing. new gen era. It's like something. a new gen, but I guess it's engine type it is te- technically the first one. But yes, it is a new era, feels I would like, say. Yeah, it just feels weird saying, you know, yeah. turbo hybrid era, but like we're I in think, a new era. I think it is, though, one of those things I feel like they should be for Red Bull's sake and just in general making a bigger deal out of this. Like Mercedes has won the last, what is it? Eight in a row. They won eight in a row, right? Yeah. Eight in a row. Like you talk about like sports dynasties and like, that is unbelievable. Like they were so dominant for eight years in a row. And they, I mean, it's, I know it's different in racing. You can't really compare the two, but like, that would be like a team, like winning the Super Bowl eight years in a row. Like it's just like, that'd be like playing connect Four, but, one person has to get connect five. That sounds very familiar. I yeah. feel like I've seen that before. Um, yeah, that would be, there's not a chance in the world that uh, he's going to listen to this this podcast episode and hear that joke. But for those of you that don't know, Tyler's a very good connect four player. We'll leave it at that. Um, but I feel like it's not being talked about enough because they, like, that is so dominant. Like, eight years being on top of your sport and winning it and performing the way they did yeah like red bull toppling that and finally getting ahead of that and i know it's a different technically different era but still i think pre-cost cap makes a difference as well you know when those teams were able to spend so much that does give so much more of an advantage so uh 
definitely still wildly impressive but yeah. uh the ability to do it year after year is is probably a little bit more attainable in a sport like formula one yeah yeah now that red bull's winning the other thing that that i don't think they make enough of a deal about is their brand new red bull powertrains i don't think they ever you know kind of flex that as a red bull powertrain specifically it always it always gets well, referenced it's as a honda, honda. that's because it basically is yeah, but now they can claim it. Yeah, so, they can claim it now. They did say it during the broadcast. They're like, Julian Palmer's like, it's really just a funny way of spelling Honda, but Red Bull can claim it's their own powertrain, which I feel like they should be doing more like, oh, yeah, we built this. Like, Sam, they're a manufacturer. Yeah. Sam Collins loves nothing more than to point out that that's still a Honda. Yes. Yeah, it's, they, they, I, he loves pointing that out all the time, but it's technically true. And I know they kind of, they, I think they kind of announced a few weeks ago that like Honda's going to get back into a bigger role with the team. So it, it is Honda, but like they can, they could technically flex it as their own thing. Yeah. Um, outside of that, you know, we have. I think the biggest battle left is going to be pretty much. Well, two battles is going to be driver wise for Leclerc and Perez for P two. Mm-hmm. You have Leclerc back ahead now by two points. I think that's going to go all the way to the end. I think they're going to keep flipping back and forth till the end. Um, and then in terms of team, that battle for best of the rest between Alpine, Alpine and McLaren. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead. I don't know if you want to dive into some paddock rumors. Yeah, we can hit a uh, hit, hit a few here. We got uh, Dietrich passed away. Fortunate, fortunate. Yeah, uh, a good weekend for for Red Bull to shine, and they were able to honor him pretty well. And hopefully, we'll we'll party like he wanted it to wanted yeah. them to. So uh, unfortunate there, uh, but good weekend for Red Bull to to follow that up. The next piece of good news we got is the FIA implementing a system to tell the teams when uh, safety vehicles are deployed onto the track. I think that was kind of briefly mentioned. Uh, we didn't really have any verification that that was the case until they actually notified all the teams. So good to see that after last weekend uh, and the last few years in Formula One. Uh, we got a couple of driver moves here. We got yes. Logan Sargent after having his FP1 session getting kind of slyly announced as the next year driver for Williams. Huge for our podcast. Huge for America. That's very true. It is under the condition at the moment that he gets the super license yeah. points necessary, but it doesn't sound like that'll be too much of a, of a hassle for him. No. Uh, and then we also have another Ricardo rumor uh, reserved to Red Bull. Prior to this weekend, I believe it was reserved to Mercedes. I love the Red Bull one, though. I think it's more likely, to be honest. Yeah. I think him going back to a team that he had a lot of success with. One thing that does... And they like him. They Definitely. They like, like Horner loves Red Bull, or loves Ricardo. Like, yeah. he... They're very friendly still. Like, it keeps him in the sport. They're a great team. Like, yeah. image-wise and, like, perception-wise and, like, media-wise, he's great to have on the team. Mm-hmm. He's going to be... He'll... I can't wait till next year. If we can get a reserve driver him, he'll do every post-race show. Yeah, it'll be like, great. It'll be awesome. I, I think one thing that was confusing me all weekend was every time he would talk about it, he would say, you know, there is a plan in place. I want to be fighting for wins. Talking about it as if he already has a seat for, for 2024. Yeah. So really interesting. I don't know if is he it, knows something that we don't know. Yeah, or? it's just a long play at Checo's seat is the only uh, thing I can think of. That's what like, I'm thinking. Is, is it one of those things where, yeah, he's going in, you know, are him and Horner close? I know they're close, but are they closer than we think? Like, because Horner has always, you know, been a loud person about Ricardo. He's always been supportive of him, says Fair. he deserves to be in the race, like deserves to be racing in F1. Yeah. So could this be a, hey, you know, if we have Checo sign, but after his next contract, if Checo keeps pulling the way he's doing, we're going to have to pay him too much. We can give Ricardo less money. 
and get somewhat similar results maybe like it's a, a long play basically it's ricardo yeah it's i a think good point you know i like the fact that he's going back to red bull because it might give him that opportunity yeah. at that seat he's also ruled out so many other teams just talking yeah. about it which is really interesting but yeah we'll see where he goes uh he had a lot of fun this weekend yeah. rode in on on horses and and we'll get yeah. into that, we'll get into that in fun minute, yeah but uh the next thing is uh 25% reduction in wind tunnel rumor, rumored to be the, uh, along with a fine, rumored yes. to be the... I think that's probably where they'll go with it, but yeah, um, that is something we will leave it at that for now, because we are going to get into that for our first YouTube video, for those of you that are interested, which will also be dropping after the podcast episode later this week, but we'll kind of dive into our thoughts on that and kind of what could come out of that, yeah. but that's kind of the initial rumor for now. Kind of along with that, though, we had it really interesting comment from Horner this week about it a little weird he basically I don't it the vibe I'm getting is that he's like trying to like get pity from people almost now so he basically said that like uh employees of Red Bull like their children were getting bullied at school for this which like I don't know I I I don't know like there's two sizes like obviously you don't want to see that happening and stuff but like it it's just a weird timing and it's, I feel like it's a weird thing for the team principal to say. I don't know what your thoughts yeah. are. I just think it's a weird thing for him to say and a weird point to make of like oh you sh- we shouldn't get in trouble for this cuz like now your kids are getting bullied. like that I just I it's mean it's a weird comment. It obviously has to be bad enough to where they're raising it in the team which is yeah. unfortunate but yeah, I mean I feel like that's a private thing. I feel like that's something that I don't yeah. know. It just feels like that's something that should be like between the parents and their kids and the kids at that school like it should not be an issue that Horner should be telling to the general public which is only going to make it worse yes it's it's only going to make it worse now because now they're just going to make jokes about that yeah um outside of that uh you know we had uh, a new face on f1 tv this weekend we had james hitchcliffe which was a former uh indycar driver uh i was not a big fan of him uh, I know him in, and you can talk about some of this too. We had Julian Palmer, which I, I do like Julian, but he was also very awkward on the post-race show. Just in the post-race show. But James was just, I just felt like he brought no insight at all. They would turn to him and like, he never has had anything with Formula One. Like he's only done IndyCar. So I, and they have Julian who raced in Formula One. So like, why would we bring an IndyCar? Why would we bring someone with less Formula One experience in? Yeah. And they'd basically turn to him, and me and you talked about this. He'd either state the complete obvious, something that was so obvious, something that was wrong, or like like we were talking about the Hamilton thing, like just a major announcer jinx vibes, or he basically was like, hey, Hamilton's got this wrapped up, and then Max cleared a second on him the next lap. Um, or he would turn to him, and the only useful thing they'd do is they'd be like, how does this compare to IndyCar? And then it'd be something interesting, like, oh, how does this compare to IndyCar? But like other than that, like the vibes with him like were just like, he kind of acted like he knew it all, and like he was just like a weak guy. Yeah. And, like, I'm not downplaying, like, he was an IndyCar driver. Obviously, he was a great driver, but, like, he never raced in F1 or sniffed F1. So, like, why is he talking like he knows what is going on here? Yeah, I know you have a much stronger opinion on that than yes. I do. But I, I think it was a little awkward. I think he would play the route of comedy more than he yes. would uh, just That's you know, what bring I'm more information. Or, in. or being, you know, they should have just, he was, they just had him talk too much. Uh, yeah. If they just brought him in as kind of that third person and like he could offer some insight like oh this is how it's different from IndyCar and like it's I think it's a smart play from that aspect to like this race weekend and kind of these next few races because like you're gonna have a bunch of Americans that watch this one because it was in the U.S. yeah and then you might get a few fans because he's gonna be with them the rest of the season 
might have a decent chunk of people that are like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm going to watch the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. And he can offer like an IndyCar, an American perspective or whatever, and have an American guy in the booth, and that might bring in – I get that side of it, but like they just had him talk way too much to where I was like, I would rather he like Will and Julian and them and, and Sam and them talk about like what's actually going on and not them just turning to this guy be like, what do you think of it? And him just restating what – like the common fan things. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, along the, the lines of the Julian Palmer, uh, you know, the three of them were just standing around the podium, but Julian was was just so uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, yes. He was so uncomfortable. It was second embarrassment big time. And it was every time that, that James would talk and then it would go over to Julian. You yeah. know Julian just did not agree with oh, anything. Oh, yeah, he totally disagreed with whatever James said. Yeah, so it was it was a really Julian awkward was vibe. me. Julian was a representation of me watching the entire race. Yeah. It was just me watching the entire race where I was like, what is this dude talking like what is this dude talking about? Yeah. Outside of that, last thing we had was kinda of come in after the race was that Stroll is gonna get a three place good penalty and two penalty points. Mm-hmm. Um and then one other thing which we haven't heard anything about yet as of now the recording this might change obviously was um Haas protesting the black not them not giving a black and orange flag to Perez and Alonso mm-hmm. and giving it to Haas in the past and it was granted deemed admissible by the FIA so they are reviewing it so you know if we we probably won't get that update in here but it's potential that we could see Perez and Alonso maybe drop back in the order um, which props to Haas for pointing that out and like trying to get their guys up the order, but I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if they'd do that or if they would be. I don't know how they would even handle it, like a reprimand more so. I think well, they definitely summoned the kind of leadership from Alpine uh, and Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's more to be like, why didn't you pit these? Yeah, the, these drivers and these. I cars could see that more so being that. yeah, being like trying to basically inform them like if this happens again like you need to be pitting yeah i don't see anything you know because, competitive yeah. wise maybe a fine or two yeah. but uh, we'll see because it kind of worked out. out where like perez's thing fell off and alonzo's did too so it really wasn't an issue but like haas does have an argument because like they had to pit for very similar things yeah in the past times. pretty quickly so um i think more of just a, a speaking point for fia than anything else um so let's get into our funny happenings real quick um, so to me, and I'll, I'll do this first one here. The fun, the funniest thing of the entire weekend was they interviewed Total Wolf about the whole situation about the budget cap, and it we are getting kind of an onslaught of like, and we'll talk about this one in the YouTube video of teams going after Red Bull now. But Total Wolf coming out and saying that um, everyone's aware of the budget cap, and we're in totally his exact words are we're aware of how many people needed sandwiches is all time funny. That's all time trolling. Like that's next level stuff from one team to another because of the, you know, the whole rumor with Red Bull going over because of snacks and stuff that I, I just thought that was so funny that he basically like, is like, yeah, like we knew how many sandwiches people should be having. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty funny from Toto and I think well-timed yeah. as well. So uh, pretty good there. The next one is our flag waiver at the end of the race was Apple CEO, Tim Cook. And I don't know if we can call him a flag waiver because he, he kind of just moved it side to side. There was yeah. no actual waving of the flag. It if was, you had a robot wave, it would have been the same thing. It, probably better. It was quite embarrassing from Tim. Uh, yeah, he just, did not. I think I told you, this race weekend, this was not a fun thing for him to go to. This was a meeting on his calendar. Yeah. This is something he had to attend, unfortunately. And it's not even like he was repping Apple or anything. He was no. like there for his – he had to have been there for his personal enjoyment. But – he did not. He look did like not like he enjoyed it at all. Yeah. At, he, all. at one point, he's in the room with the FIA president and Ed Sheeran, and it was the f- one of the funniest visuals ever. Was them three in there, 
And you just see Ed Sheeran and everyone else, like, chopping it up. And then Tim Cook's just standing there. Yeah. Like, just all-time funny visual. Yeah. Um, another one we had was uh, Danny Rick entering race weekend, I think, on Friday for free practice, coming in on a horse mm-hmm. who had credentials to enter. And yeah. the horse's name was Horsey McHorse. As he should. Um, so that was so funny. He really played into the whole, like, Texas Texan theme, made merch for it and everything. Just a big uh, – no one – it's uh, – no one loves America more than him, and he's not even from here. No one loves it. More it's than a him. it's a quasi home race for him. Yes, he does love it. You have a ton of fans here too. A lot of people like him because absolutely. of that, and yeah. so that, that was fun to see. Um, I'll let you do the last one because I think it's a little bit more your wheelhouse. But that, this and this one was the uh, the fourth one we had here. Uh, for those of you that have F one TV, and do they show it on? I think they showed it on their other one too. Um, Helmet Marco coming into the cooldown room and just awkwardly standing there was all-time funny visual. I know that he was the podium person, and I get that he needs to be around after, but we've never had a podium person go in the driver room while they're all talking and just stand in the middle of them, and he didn't say anything or interact. He just stood there, and yeah. it reminded me of, like, it, it almost made me feel like, like one of the drivers got to like, are you lost, old man? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you need help getting home? Like, that's what it looked like, and, like, he was just so out of it in there, and like it's just so. It was just such a funny visual. They were having all this talking about the race, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Helmet Marco just appears and is just standing there. Yeah, it gave me some like dad vibes, or like yes. like nanny of Max trying yes. to make sure that he's not doing anything. Yeah, like wrong. saying anything he shouldn't say in the room or whatever. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah, uh, and hopefully we don't have to see <laughs> that interruption in the yeah. cooldown room, which is always a, a really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like it was like a dad thing, right? And the kids were like, "Oh, I can't say anything now because like helmets in here." Exactly. <laughs> uh, we got two left. Our, the next one is uh, Gunther Steiner, back-to-back weekends where he has been watching the broadcast at pit wall. Yes. And seeing some merch of him. Yeah, the we look like a bunch of legend shirts. Yeah. That the people had that was awesome to see. He loves and absolutely loved it. Yes, yeah. he loved it. And I think Mick actually wore one of those. Shirts Mick wore one too. Yeah, he wore a Gunther shirt. Yeah. yeah. Pretty funny. Yes. Uh, and then the last one were fans booing and uh, chanting cheater at Max uh, after and Red Bull. This was – I got a laugh out of this. It was pretty funny. It was before uh, when they were doing kind of just the – Yeah, I think it was on sa- Saturday, like before the quality and stuff, when they had him like come out on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Laura Winter. The, yep. I think she – you know, they were basically having all the drivers come out and talk. And for those of you that didn't see it, it's basically someone took it from the crowd – they go on stage, and she says, like, you're world champion Max Verstappen. Yeah. And it's all booze. There's not any cheering at all. It's all booze. And then people start chanting cheater. And it was so funny because then you had, like, you had Will Buxton, like, all the F1 people being like, this is disgusting. Like, why are we doing this? And I think me and you thought the same. Like, one, I thought it was hilarious. Like, that's sports. Like, sports. Is. Like, that's sports in America. Like, that people is. get booed, like, if you're not – if you don't like them. Also, like, what – I know Max himself technically didn't cheat, but like, what did what do they expect is going to happen? Like, yeah. you're coming to America, you have all these accusations and stuff. Like, Americans are going to the race; they're going to cheer the exact same they would at a football game or anything else. Like, that's how it's going to be. Like, it could have been way worse. They, I think they're lucky it just landed on just booing and cheater. Like, yeah, yeah, it just kind of <laughs> it, it it was kind of the climate of American sports. Yes, uh, and and the fans absolutely took to it and. Uh, that was just got to get used to it too. With, I mean, we have three races next year in America. Yeah, I mean, and, like it I, could go to five maybe or something. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously they're working on kind of resolving the whole situation, yeah. but 
Uh, yeah, an odd one, definitely. I did think it was funny though at the time when I saw it. I'm like, that's that's pretty clever for sure. So, what are you looking on, looking forward to in Mexico? I think one of my, you know, I wouldn't say my top tracks, but I think it's a very good track. I enjoy watching it. I think the scenes with I I hope Checo wins. I think it'd be Absolutely. awesome if he wins. I think everybody should be rooting for him. Yeah, I think that happened last year where we rooted for him. I don't know how you don't root for him in a situation like that. Um, I feel like some drivers, it's like a little hard to root for their home track, but like I feel like he's one where it's like universal. Like everyone roots for Checo in Mexico. Yeah. Um, you know, high speed track, you have that long straight. Um, I think usually good racing there. We had an exciting race. Obviously, Max pulled away last year, but Lewis went one stop last year, and you had Perez catching him at the end. And so, I think it should be set up for a good race, and it's a good track. And I, again, I think just the scenes and everything around it, the pageantry around it with with Checo and him being from Mexico and like everybody cheering him on. I think that'll make it exciting. Yeah. It's the quintessential home race, uh, kind of spectacle for Yes. For yeah. It's Checo. like, you know, like Ricardo in Australia and I guess all the British drivers in the UK, like it's, but this is one that like, I feel like hits like this one hits different for me where it's like, I feel like it was last year too. And I think it's going to be the same this year. Like no matter who you cheer for, like everybody is, would be happy to see him win. Yeah. I hope we see a little bit of, a little bit of chaos, a little bit of uh, more overtaking than we're used to at that track, but I think it'll be a fun one. Yep. All right. We'll see you guys in Mexico. All right. Goodbye.